the one series, the one who needs the one today, or subtitled The Gift That Never Ends. A few weeks ago, we started a new series entitled The One, and we're reminded about the one and only, and he's a jealous God, and he reminds us that there is no other gods beside him. Then we looked at the one who found the one, and when someone finds Jesus Christ, everything changes. Old things are passed away, all things become new. Last week we looked at the one who shares the one, and we were challenged by God's word to share uh, our faith, to share our story, to tell someone else what God has done for us. And I was just reminded that a couple times this week someone said, as an interesting perspective of sharing our story. It is, because we, if we know Jesus Christ, every one of us has a story. And uh, you may not know every little detail about um, every little verse that you need to share, but I'm amazed at how many times that if I do open my mouth, God will bring to remembrance the things that he has taught me, right? And he'll do that for all of us as his children. He says he will do that. And so we need to be praying for those opportunities, praying for God to use us to share our faith, because it's all about the one, not about ourselves, but all about the one, God the Father. And uh, we need to tell someone what Jesus Christ has done for us and how he's changed our lives. And today, I want to kind of close this series by speaking about the one who needs the one, or the gift that never ends. If you would, take your Bibles this morning and turn to Luke chapter 2. We're going to look at verses 8 through 20. We're going to kind of jump around a little bit, as I usually do. But Luke chapter 2. Uh, verses 8 through 20. If you're here this morning and you don't have a Bible, we'd love to put one in your hands. And uh, all you have to do is lift your hand and uh, the guys in the back will make sure you have one. So if you need one, you just lift your hand and they'll, they'll give you one. It's our gift to you. But Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 20. I want to read, so if you would, follow along as I read those verses. Beginning with verse 8. In the same region, shepherds were staying out in the fields and keeping watch at night over their flock. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Don't be afraid, for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today a Savior, who is Messiah the Lord, was born for you in the city of David. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in cloth, lying in a feeding trough. And suddenly there was a multitude of the heavenly hosts with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and peace on earth to people he favors. When the angels had left them and returned to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go straight to Bethlehem and see what has happened, what the Lord has made known to us. They hurried off and found both Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the feeding trough. After seeing them, they reported the message they were told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary was treasuring up all these things in her heart and meditating on them. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for, they all, for all they had seen and heard just as they had been told. Dear Heavenly Father God, we thank you for the opportunity that we have to be in your house this morning. I pray God that you would speak to our hearts. I ask God that you would teach us those things that we need to learn, remind us of things that maybe we have learned and forgotten. And I ask God that as we think about those who need to know the story, the greatest story ever told, the story of how you came down to this earth, I ask God that you would speak to hearts. And I ask God that as I pray throughout this series, Lord, if there be one here, Lord, that does not know you as their Savior, might today be the day of salvation for them. Might today they have that truth settled in their heart, that they truly know that you're 
their Heavenly Father and that, Lord, they're your child. I ask God that you would just work in our hearts this morning. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, have you ever given or received a gift? I think that's probably true of most every one of us in this room this morning. But whether you are on the giving end or the receiving end, how long does that gift last? Um, The fact of the matter is, at some point, the gift will come to an end. Uh, Sometimes you can't wait for that gift to come to an end. Uh, Moms and dads, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I can remember one of the first Christmases that we went to uh, my wife's grandparents' house down in Mississippi, in Boonville. We had our little Ford Aerostar van that I absolutely hated and despised. <clears throat> yeah, that was another whole subject. But I always just pray when we get down there for Christmas, they just make it there, and then we pray that it come back. And, uh, but I remember on one particular trip, we went down there for Christmas, and of course, we've always said we're not going to buy our kids a ton of presents because grandparents, that's what they're for, that's what they do. And so they spoil our kids, and we got down there to Boonville, Mississippi, and I remember very distinctly as we packed up to go home, I'm telling you, that little Aerostar van was so full, I don't think you, as I said, I don't think you could have got a piece of paper in between the, the junk and the ceiling. It was packed. But here's what we listened to every time we hit a bump, the entire 10-hour ride home. Like, for the love of Jesus, I wish those batteries would just wear out. I wanted that toy to break. And every time it happened, Jake was wondering which one it was because he wanted to dig it out. And uh, it was just wrong. But those gifts eventually come to an end, and we thank God for that. Um, But some of those loud, obnoxious toys that make all kinds of noises, you just can't wait for those batteries to wear out. But consider the following. Sometimes you get food gifts, and they... You either eat it up or it spoils. How about toys? Batteries wear out or the toy breaks. Uh, or how about clothes? You ever had clothes that they just shrink supernaturally? I mean, I mean, just it's not the washer or the dryer, but I mean, it, I mean, it has to be that. I mean, I don't know what. There's no other explanation for it, right? Um, money it gets spent, and you can't even remember what you spent it on. Uh, gifts of pictures. I, I know that for some years, as we were just starting out in life, we didn't have a whole lot of financial. Uh, uh, depth. So, uh, you know, pictures were great presents. They were cheap, and uh, we pass them out, and, you know, it's the memories. It's all that matters. It's all about the memories. So we pass out pictures, and, uh, but, you know, you look back, and the pictures change, and you don't look like that anymore, and the, the pictures become outdated, and they change, and uh, now they're just great laughing stocks, and we have a bunch of those, and they're fun, and I enjoy them, but all that stuff. Appliances, they wear out. It seems like every normal or practical, impractical, whatever the gift may be, it eventually comes to an end. Um, Everything that you could possibly give to someone will eventually come to an end, except for one thing, the perfect gift of God's Son. That's the amazing thing about it. It doesn't wear out. It doesn't get old. It doesn't become uncultural. Well, it may be a little bit uncultural, but he has stood the test of time, right? It's practical for all ages. But look once again at our text, in particular verse 11. And verse 11 says, Today a Savior. The proclamation that was made was that today a Savior who is Messiah the Lord was born for you in the city of David. And this will be a sign that you will find the babe wrapped snugly in cloth lying in a feeding trough. Here we find that the Savior was born. And the Bible tells us of that day that most of us, if not many of us, have heard many, many times, will never forget. 
Hopefully we never forget. It was a day that Jesus Christ was born. And the Bible tells that with this birth, a Savior came. And here's the amazing thing. In Romans chapter 6, verse 23, it says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is what? Eternal life. With the gift of Jesus Christ, as the Savior was born, we had the greatest gift that was ever given to mankind presented to us in the form of a baby at Christmas time. Let's switch gears just for a moment. Let's look at what the Bible reminds us of here. First of all, in John chapter 1 and verse 11, he says, He came unto his own, and his own people did not receive him. As we think about the gift that never ends, as we think about the one who needs the one this morning, we have to remind ourselves of a couple things. Um, the world that we live in doesn't necessarily know that they need this gift, do they? It's amazing how often we give gifts and we think that uh, the gift that we picked for so-and-so is going to be the perfect gift and we find out that they really don't even like it. We find out they really don't even use it. In fact, we find out later, some, maybe some years later, that it was used for a white elephant gift or it was repurposed for another purpose. You know, uh, and We think we know what someone needs. But what we find in this world is that we've got the greatest gift and the world doesn't even understand the need. It's in fact, he came into his own and his people did not even receive him. The world is not just going to say, oh yeah, I want that. But I think they'll be more open to it when we share our story of what Jesus Christ has done for us. If Jesus Christ has changed your life, we know that it can also change the life of those around us, right? He has that record. He has the ability to change a life and turn it upside down for his own purposes and for his own glory. Um, I remember as a high school student, uh, I can remember being in high school, 10th, 11th grade, and I remember every night, uh, I used to always kind of purposely find a time to drive, you know, because, you know, like every teenager does at first. You, 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 know, you know parents, too, te- teenagers do eventually regret getting their license because at least, at least that's been my experience. Because when I grew up, I couldn't wait to get my license. Couldn't wait. As soon as I got it, Kenny, go here. Kenny, go there. Kenny, go here. Kenny, go there. Oh, Lord, why did I get my license? I looked for this excuse to drive, and the excuse was this. Anybody remember the, the radio show called Unshackled? I love that show. Simply Stories. Moody Bible Institute used to put on this show, Unshackled. Look it up on Google. Find, this, find when it's played. It'll change your whole idea of what it means to know the gospel. People who are in drugs and alcohol and um, all kinds of sin. And let me just tell you, it's not just about where you came from. God saves some people out of some things. He saves some people from some things. But the miracle is that he saves, right? But it's amazing to see what God can do in a life of somebody who turns their heart towards him. And unshackled, tell those stories. I used to listen to that every week, at least a couple times. I'd try to find those stories and just listen to see what God was doing. Because I remember as a, even as a teenager thinking, it'd be so cool to fill a whole stadium and then preach to them and see all the lives that could be changed. I thought that would be cool. I still love to hear the stories. And the story of Jesus Christ is that he came into his own and his own people did not even receive him. Why? Ephesians chapter 4, verse 18. They are darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of ignorance that is in them and because of the hardness of their hearts. And we talked about that just a little bit last week, how their hearts or their minds are darkened. They don't understand what they need. It's, if, I could, if I could kind of describe it this way. I don't know about you, but as you have children, you find out that there's certain things that your kids love and certain things that they despise. And I can remember 
And as our kids are baby, and you get these little bottles of Gerber baby food, right? You know, you mix it up, and you look at these things, and it doesn't look very good. It's kind of green, kind of yellowish. It's got some brown spots in it. What in the world is this stuff? And you take the cover off, and it's like, open up. (laughs) They don't want it. They don't want to eat it. It's not sweet. It doesn't taste good. Who are we kidding? I mean, the good ones are the peach cobblers, right? The good ones are the banana stuff and the strawberry stuff. Those are the good ones, right? And don't tell me, moms, you haven't tried it, and dads too. Those are the good ones. But these green and yellow and brown spotted ones, ugh, disgusting. But what do we do? Open up. (laughs) Open up. We kind of like, why? Because you're giving them what they want need not necessarily what they want because they don't know that they need the nutrients that are in the disgusting looking ones and by the way there will be a day when that stuff changes except for peas that will never change Um, but the world doesn't know that they need Jesus and that's why we need to share our story that's why we need to share the love of Christ that's why we need to tell them what he's done for us and open that door. Matthew chapter 13 and verse 15 says this, For this people's heart is waxed gross, and their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes have closed, lest at any time they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and should understand with their heart and should be converted and I should heal them. They have needs that they don't even understand. And their eyes are darkened. Their ears are deafened to what they know is truth. Sounds like a world who needs the one. A world that needs the greatest gift ever given, does it not? Think about this for a minute. What's in a gift? I think of two main things. When I think about what's in a gift, I think of two things that come to my mind. Number one, it costs the giver something. It costs the giver something, right? I mean, it could be money. It could be time. It might be energy or work. But when you give a gift, the giver has to do the giving. It costs him something, right? The second thing that comes to my mind is that it costs the receiver nothing. All he has to do is accept it. He doesn't have to buy it because otherwise it would not be a gift. He doesn't have to work for it lest it not be a gift. He doesn't have to sacrifice anything for it because it's already been given to him. Somebody else already paid the price. Somebody else already spent their energy. Somebody else gave their time to give it. It doesn't cost them anything. They have to sacrifice nothing. It doesn't cost them. But as you look at verse 11, the newborn babe was the savior of the world for all mankind. He did the sacrifice. He did the giving. He gave of his life. And the receiver, those that put their faith and trust in him, you can't earn it. You can't work for it. There's nothing you can do except for say, God, thank you for giving me this gift and accept it with open arms. In Matthew chapter 1, verse 21, I love these verses. Why is he the Savior? Why did he do this? What impact did it have? Matthew 1.21 says, She will give birth to a son, and you are to name him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. He will save his people from their sins. He will be the Savior. And we live in a world that needs saved, and they don't even understand it. 
In John chapter 1, verse 29, it says, The next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Here is the Lamb of God who what? Takes away the sins of the world. He came to give a gift that no one else could buy. They couldn't earn it if they wanted to. They couldn't buy it if they had to. They had to accept it in a way that was presented to them through Jesus Christ on the cross. In Titus chapter 2 and verse 14, it says, He gave Himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to cleanse us from, cleanse for Himself a people for His own possession, eager to do good works. Let's go back to Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a what? Gift of God. Not of works, not of anything you can do, lest any man should boast. And what's he say in verse 10? What is this gift to be used for? For we are his workmanship, created unto good works. So this gift that was given to us was given to us for a purpose. The gift of salvation was given to us so that he might transform our lives into something completely different, something completely new, so that we might worship him with our works. I wonder how we doing that. I wonder if this Christmas season shouldn't be an opportunity to come back to what we know is truth. It seems like a lot of passages that we've had conversations over in the last several weeks, a lot of different conversations I've had with people over the last few weeks, there's a huge disparity, disparity between what we know and what we feel. Is that not true? I know we know a lot of stuff, but what is it that we're feeling? What is our reality? It's so easy to put our stock and our, and our time and our energy into what we feel. And I don't know about you, but there's a lot of days I don't feel like Jesus is right there beside me. I'm just being honest. In the hustle and the bustle and the busyness of everything, I feel like, man, I feel so distant. Anyone else ever feel that way? We can't go by what we feel, though. We have to go by what we know. Because what we know is that God's Spirit indwells us. And everywhere we go, He's there with us because God is omnipresent. And He's with us. He's working in and through us. And the reality is, there's days I don't feel that, but I can't live there. I have to live in what I know, not what I feel. And He gave Himself to redeem us from all lawlessness and to cleanse us for Himself, a people of His own position, eager to do good works. And then Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25. says, Therefore he is always able to save those who come to God through him, since he always lives to intercede for them. What's he saying there? He's willing. He's willing. And the word always, that's a pretty simple word. It means what? Always. He's always there. I was thinking about this. Over and over throughout the whole Old Testament, and I think I, I alluded to this in the end of my message, there are so many places in Scripture where, G, where God says, if you seek me, I will be found. I wonder how many of us are really seeking him, because I don't think no man seeks him naturally. God's word says, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of heaven, but it says, no man comes to the Father except he what? Draws him. So there's a beginning work of the Holy Spirit to draw us to himself. But the world doesn't need to even understand that they need that. So we come back to the story of Jesus Christ, the greatest story ever told. How many of us take time every Christmas season to read through Luke chapter 2? It's a normal thing, isn't it? For many of us, we grew up reading Luke 2 every time. In fact, I think we do it every year before we open any gifts, before we do anything else. We take time to reflect on the story because it's the greatest story. But along with that greatest story, it's intertwined with the story that God has given us, right? Last week, we talked about a story of who? 
Saul and the work that God did in his life. Can you imagine having that story as yours? But just even being able to tell that story. The story that here's Saul, who's got special permission from the chief priest and the scribe to find anybody who's following Jesus and to basically bring them back so they can be persecuted. And then God gets a hold of his life, and everything changes. How about the woman at the well, the one we kind of looked at for a moment last week? She comes to the well. She is coming for what? And water. Something that both Jesus and her had in common. Only except the only difference was Jesus was what? Living water. But what happened? That day she realized who Jesus was. That day she went and told everybody in the town what had happened to her. You know what she got? A story. A story. You know what I think is pretty cool about the story? She left her water pots there. What did she go there for? She went there to get water. And she got so distracted by what happened to her and what she had found out that she left the water pots behind and went and told everybody in the city and says, many more believe because of her story. What's your story? Do you have a story? What was it that God used in your life to turn your attention to him? Who was it that God used to share the, share the message of the gospel so that you could put faith and trust in Jesus Christ? I think sometimes we overcomplicate it. Sometimes we make a little bit more of, well, I'm not sure I don't know everything I'm supposed to say or everything I'm supposed to do or how to tell your story and incorporate what Jesus did for you in that story. And God will teach you what to say. He'll show you the verses. He'll remind you of them. Try it. I dare you. I dare you. He'll bring it to your mind. He'll help you remember. He'll show you what you need to say. It says he gave himself for us to redeem us from the lawlessness and to cleanse us for himself, a people of his own possession, eager to do good works. And he says he's always able to save those who come to God through him. Jesus Christ is the door. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man come to the Father but by me. People need to hear that story, that message, that gospel. It's not just being good. It's not about going to church. It's not about giving to an offering or a need or a project. It's not about just, you know, showing up. It's about a relationship with Jesus Christ. A relationship that once it started, will never, it will never, never end. Jesus Christ is the one who could be the sa- true Savior, for he was the only one that could offer forgiveness. The only one that could offer redemption. The only one that could purify. And for that purpose, he was the only living Savior. The fact that Jesus Christ was a Savior is only mentioned in one other text inside the Gospel, and that's John 4, 42. It says, And they told the woman, We no longer believe because of what you said, for we have heard for ourselves and know that this is really is the Savior of the world. There was a point where she told her story. But then there came a point where her life was the story. Did you catch that? He says, we no longer believe because of what you said. There comes a point where she has a message. She has a story. But then the story goes from message to life. What does our life say? What is our life story? I was talking to a couple different people this week about this. Wouldn't it be awesome if we could come back 
as we start praying for stories, as we start praying that our story would be effective in the lives of others, as we start praying for God to open up opportunities for us to share our story, wouldn't it be awesome if we could come back and say, hey, I shared my story of salvation with someone and they put their faith and trust in Christ. Wouldn't that be awesome? Let's pray for that. Let's pray. Let's take that 511. You know five people. Pray for them once a day for a minute. Take time to ask God for opportunities. Ask God to, for an opportunity to share your faith and that your faith would become more than just the message, but that you would live it out and that people would see it. If we look at the text that leads up to the verse in John chapter 4, it is that story of the woman at the well. The effect of the effect of Christ on that woman at the well was very similar to the effect of Christ on the shepherds that came um, to see his birth so long ago. In our text in Luke chapter 2, the shepherds upon hearing of and then seeing the Savior went out and shared abroad what they had learned and experienced. That's no different than what John did, or what happened in John 4 with the woman at the well. Once they came and saw, they went and told. Get that? You come and see, then go and tell. It's pretty interesting, isn't it? Something all of us can do. If you've come and seen, go and tell. That's exactly what the shepherds did. Think about that. The effect of hearing Christ's birth has an amazing impact. In Luke chapter 2, look at verse 19. In verse 19 it says, But Mary was treasuring up all these things in her heart and meditating on them. What would you do if you were just told what you were told, experienced what you were experiencing in Jesus Christ? She treasured it. See, so is that really a key word? I, it is kind of to me. Treasure is a... Anybody not want treasure? Come on. We all want treasure. What is it that's most valuable to us? Because God says where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Treasure is a big thing. Treasure is an important thing. But the most important thing is what we do with it. So Mary treasured this news. In verse 33, um, we see some, another response. It says, His father and mother were amazed at what was being said about him. They were in amazement. And in verses 47 and 48, it says this, And all those who heard him were astounded at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. There was astounding. They were astonished. Those are some big words. Because when Jesus enters a life, it changes everything. It has a great impact. I wonder, let's be honest. Let's just be real honest between you, ourselves and God. Are we still amazed at who Jesus is? Or has he become old hat? Are we still astonished at what he can do? Or has it become old news? Not to jump on this one more time, but I'm going to jump on it one more time. But how long have we been believers? The danger of being a believer for many, many, many years is that you lose the significance and the impact and the power that it once had. Not because of God's word or his spirit being diminished, but because we don't look at it the same way. Because that was yesterday. I mean, think about it. The day we drive home a new car or a newer car or a new to us car, it's pretty cool, isn't it? Yeah, it's got this feature. It didn't have this in the last car. I mean, it's all, it's all cool. 
until we've had it for three months. And there's just nothing. Right? It's true, right? Let's be honest. Got that new sweater? Man, I really like this. It's comfortable. It looks nice. Until you wash it five times and you've worn it 27 times and it just doesn't matter anymore. It's just an old sweater. The newness wears off. And unfortunately, I think that happens in Christianity too. Let's be honest. Man, it gets quiet these last couple weeks. All of us. And we need the reminder. They were astonished. They were astounded. They were in amazement. These are all words that we find in our text of when Jesus enters the life of somebody. And they can't help but share the story. Going to chapter 4, it's not just a small group. In chapter 4, verse 22, it says this, They were all speaking well of him and were amazed by the gracious words that came from his mouth, yet they said, Isn't this Joseph's son? I mean, they were amazed by it. They were astounded by his message. And yet it was just, wasn't that just Mary and Joseph's son? Isn't that amazing how it can go from, I know who he is, but, eh. If it can happen to those in Galilee, could it not also happen to us in Harvest Bible Fellowship? And Christians around the world. Verse 36, chapter 4. says this amazement came over them all and they kept saying to one another what is this message for he commands the unclean spirits with authority and power and they came out impact of jesus on a life is amazement i wonder if we told our story more often we look for opportunity to share our faith if we look for opportunities to see those who need to hear this message the greatest gift if amazement would not just come over them and say, I need that. I want that. All these Galileans were standing there in amazement. And on and on and on. All who experienced the knowledge of the Savior were forced to stop, think, and make a decision. Once again, why was he the Savior? Because only he could save everyone from a lowly shepherd to a woman taken in adultery. He's the Savior. What greater gift could be given than that of salvation to a world who needs the gift and they don't even understand it? What greater gift could be purchased than the gift that was paid for, the, paid for with the blood of Jesus Christ? What greater gift could be received? None. A couple questions this morning as I close. Have you received this great gift? Have you received it? I'm not asking if you come to church. I'm not asking if you read your Bible. I'm not asking if you pray to prayer or pray daily. I'm not asking if you help people. I'm not asking if you've changed your whole life because of coming to church and things have got to be different. I'm asking you, have you received the gift of Jesus Christ in your life? Has he changed your life? Do you have a relationship with him? Can you look back at a period in your life, a time period where God used this circumstance or, or this person and you were presented with the truth and you said, I cannot do this. And you humbled yourself and repented of your sins 
and you have began a relationship with Jesus Christ, you receive that gift. That's my question this morning. Maybe you're here this morning, you realize that I'm that one that needs the one. If that's the case, that's the greatest decision you'll ever make. That's the greatest gift you'll ever receive. Second question is this then. If you're the one that's received the gift, you have a relationship with the one. You've realized that you are nothing without him and you place your faith and trust in him. What are you doing with that gift? What are you doing with it? That was last week's message. Are you sharing the gift? I mean, this, this is like Halloween acorns. It never runs out. There's never there's never end supply of those things, except for this, these taste good unlike those. Um, we have a gift that's so awesome, so powerful. And then the last question is this. In our text in Luke chapter 2, verse 40, I'm sorry, verse 20, he says, The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had seen and heard just as they had been told. You've been told a great story, a great message. Some of you have received it, if not all of you. I don't know. But one of the things that we ought to be doing in light of what we have is praising God. Some of you walk in here like the whole world is just like falling over on you and you got you know seven crushed vertebrae in your back and you can't move because life is just too, too, too difficult. I'm not saying those things aren't real. But what I am saying is this. When God is in our life, we should be praising him. Despite circumstances. I may not be happy at the moment, but I've got joy that no one can steal. Think about that. There's circumstances I don't like. There's circumstances I would never choose. There's circumstances that I don't like that happen to me. Right? All of us. But none of those things are going to rob me of my joy that I have in God. I may not be happy, but I've got joy. Why? Because of this gift I've received. I don't know about you, but have you received the gift? If you have, what are you doing with it? And if you have, are you walking away having received this message, this gift, praising God for what he's done? You have a story if you know Jesus. Take that story, intertwine it with the gospel of Jesus Christ, share the word, and let that story be known. And let's come back and share the stories of what God is doing with our story. Because it's all about his story, right? Amen? Let's pray.